Welcome back to the Ray Tech Legends podcast. I'm your host, Tom Richardson, and today we're going to be joined by CEO and founder of Cube, Mr. Ben Richmond. I first heard of Ben about a year ago from a mutual acquaintance. Thank you, Chris Pilling, and um, and was informed I'm likely to enjoy speaking to Ben and that he would make a great podcast guest. And ladies and gents, they were right. So without further ado, let's hear from Ben as I ask him where his journey into RegTech began. So where did it all begin? So I think really, if, we, if I go right back to how I got into the world of technology, it was all very much from the perspective of content. So I was, for one reason or another, um, sort of really interested in, in what the, the future of content might be in terms of how firms and how um, individuals within firms will need to work with, manage and consume content and what that would mean in terms of that being something that would become really fundamental to how uh, organizations manage in this digital age. And, and so that actually you know, takes me back, oh dear, 20 years or so, when I really, really came from, at the time, a world of structured data. I was selling big enterprise systems around structured, much more structured data and really saw the opportunity for unstructured data, which is, as we know it today, content. And that was when I started on my journey of, of really getting involved in building businesses around content and actually realizing the opportunities that, that firms, organizations, customers could get from uh, leveraging that that unstructured data, as I say, i.e. content. And so from it, putting that, that... Putting that into context, we're talking, what, sort of early 2000s? Uh, yeah, yeah, early, basically, yeah. Uh, yeah and, so, and, and very much in the financial services world. Well, I, I, that was the space I always knew because uh, originally I was with MySys and then I moved to uh, set up my own firm. And then from that, I've, I've been involved in other industries, but financial services was always an industry that I was involved with in one way or another. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, it was basically through the, really through that understanding of content that the opportunity came for Cube. So if we fast forward uh, to what was then sort of the, the 2008, 2009 period, yeah. I was very keen to scale a, a, a large, you know, a global software company that could make a difference in one way or another. I'd run other businesses successfully you know, across uh, EMEA at that point and was really looking for the, you know, for the opportunity to scale something that was market impactful and, you know, was going to change how firms do things. And, and guess, guess what? All of a sudden there was the financial crash yeah. and, and there in like, you know, came the opportunity for Cube. And so, so when I thought about the financial crash, it wasn't kind of instantaneous that, oh, there's a crash and I should start Cube. It was, it was what happened in the market was obviously unprecedented. And when I really started to, to think about it, obviously, really a lot of what happened was there wasn't the right controls in situ. And therefore, the financial markets, you know, ran amok, if you like, of yeah. what, what, should have, what should have been uh, um, much better ma managed and, 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 and governed. And so, and so actually, the, the implication of that crash and on, on people and, you know, personal lives was, again, you know, as I said, was, was profound. And, and from my perspective, when I really started to think about it, I was thinking, okay, so there's the regulatory framework, it's the, the world of the banks, it's the world of ensuring the right controls are in situ there. Um, and actually, it didn't take long to realize that all of that comes back to content. Uh, what's in the content is the rules, you know, within those regulations. And those firms need to be able to disseminate that in the right way to be able to go implement the controls and run their businesses appropriately. And so, and so actually through that realization that, that content was sort of fundamental to this uh, transformation of the, the, the whole financial services ecosystem and the regulatory frameworks that underpin it, therein I, I had the idea for Cube and said, okay, well, wouldn't it be something if we could build that content engine if you like that was able to to be the platform of the future for how firms understand and act upon 
the regulatory rules that 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 um, they need to um, adhere to to be able to ensure that another 2008 2009 financial crash doesn't happen again. Yeah. And so that was and that was it. And that that gave me the the idea for Cube. And within two years, I'd set the firm up. And it would be interesting to just understand in practical terms how starting cube actually worked right so so before we pressed record we were just observing lots of people have lots of good business ideas but very few of them ever bring them to fruition and you have you know talk us through what that actually looks like right so day dot you've got you've got the idea and you talked about almost like a two-year period where you brought it to fruition what what was going on there <laughs> um i was running other businesses so. right <laughs> um look, i think for me so so i i always had um, an inclination to run businesses from a very young age. I, I did an interview a little while ago. Actually, they were asking about my, my where I grew up and my background. And yeah, and and I and I started. I, I had a business when I, I I grew up in Cornwall, and and you get a lot of freedom, you know, growing up somewhere like Cornwall. You know, before I was ten, I started my first business, you know, and and then had a couple of friends on the payroll, and it was, you know, and it was oh, really. Of, what was, was the business? business? Just that way. Well, the very the very first one. I I, I had a Ice hobby. Lines. No, it wasn't. No, oh. no, I had a hobby where I, I used to love fishing, still do, but don't get you know so so much of a chance to do it these days. But um, but I I soon realised that I was going to catch these trout, and actually, um, actually you could sell them, and actually you know you could you could um, I could fund my hobby by selling these these uh, <laughs> these these fish, and then actually what I became to realise is. Um, I could actually make a profit out of my hobby. So I could do something I love doing, yeah. fund it, and actually have some money in my pocket at the end of the day. And and I, I was always, from a very young age, as, as my mum would say, um, just that way, an entrepreneurial, if you like. And uh, and so before I knew it, as I said, I sort of had this little business that I created. And then that was great in the summer because, um, you know, because it was lovely to go fishing then and I could, you know, and everyone wanted to eat the fish. So that was great. <laughs> so I started selling it to the local sort of restaurants and pubs and all that kind of thing. That was back in the day when you could do that without needing uh, health and safety, um, you know, clearance and that kind of thing. So, um, and so, or, you know, certainly meeting the, the food standards. So that was it. And then, as I said, it was great in the summer, but in the winter, it wasn't so attractive. So then in the winter, I went on to, a, a, there was, a, you know, another business. And so it went on, went on. I think we were selling door to door, selling, you know, selling wood that was ready and prepped for the uh, for the fire you know? so, so anyway so all of that was when i was a very young lad and and um and then leaving you know when i grew up and left cornwall moved to london i, I worked with mysis group who's a big well uh, was very much then a big player in the financial services and tech yeah. arena and so being at mysis you know i learned a lot about the you know the world of financial services and what it is to really work with big enterprises. And actually then I started running my own businesses, as I was saying, and those businesses I started back in 98 and then, you know, ran a number of businesses that uh, eventually culminated in Cube. So to answer your question, it was, uh, it was a couple of years in between because um, I wanted to acquire some, I wanted a fast start. So I acquired some IP, a couple of smaller businesses, um, and then really used the, my, my other businesses to fund Cube and to fund the cash flow. So in difference to a lot of reg techs, Cube hasn't been, you know, VC funded and it hasn't been, um, you know, backed as a startup in that way. It was very much uh, funded through the other successful businesses that I was running and also through, um, you know, being very much bootstrapped and being successful with customers very early on. I mean, that really does make, differentiate it from some of the other organizations out there, right? What was the rationale behind that? I think really it was, um, you know, I have a lot of time and, and respect for those that have taken the, the path of, you know, bringing in um, VC money early on and, and rapidly scaling the business out and for the, you know, for what the VCs and, and, and the, you know, the P firms can bring. But I think for me, it was one, controlling the destiny of the company was key. Um, a long-term vision and plan around wanting to do something that fundamentally changed the industry in some way and being prepared to, to work the long game for that. Albeit, you know, the wife might question that once in a while, but it's, uh, but it, it's definitely a passion and a vision that I have about, you know, seeing this 
through to achieving something that's meaningful in terms of an outcome. And I think it's prepared to do the hard miles. And frankly, if you're, if you're running and growing a business through cash flows, it can be not always a straightforward ride. And it can be certainly very tough to, to do that without having that, that capital that you know, can, can frankly make things uh, a lot more straightforward along the way as you're growing these businesses. And, and again, that's not to take anything away from those businesses that are VC backed. But for me, it was quite purposeful. And um, we did look at taking funding in. But again, it always came back to what, you know, what really made sense for the long term plan of the company. And, and, uh, and as I said, that was very much about setting our own path and making sure that, you know, we could achieve the outcome that we wanted. And really, as I say, build something that matters and, and, and grow something big. Yeah, you you mentioned that a few times in that build something, create or create something that matters. Uh, I think you use the phrase like changing the way things are done. Yeah, it was like making something yeah. that matters, changing the way things are done. What what's why is that something that you know you keep front of mind? Um, I think it's you know I, I you have to have so you've got to believe in a in a vision. You've got to be passionate about it. You've got to have the energy every day that you get up and you you got to go for it. And I've always, I've grown up with a, a hard work ethic and, and with a, you know, a relentless drive for whatever I'm doing, whether it was, you know, that fishing business when I was a, a small boy or when, I, or when I, you know, then decided to move to London and be, you know, be part of something much bigger or then started to set up my first company. And so um, you've got to have that, I think. And, and then, you know, for me, it's, it's now, it's important that it, it's really meaningful. So therefore, yes, you know, we'll all be very successful and do very well out of, um, out of, you know, what we're doing, but actually it's, it's gotta be meaningful in the sense of, you know, in years to come when you look back, you know, we can say, well, we, we did that and we became a really important part of the, you know, the financial framework across the globe. I mean, that's a phenomenal thing to say and it's a big vision, but I truly believe at Cube we can achieve that. And, you know, being able to look back and with no right to be able to stake any claim on anything like that from, you know, from where myself or others in the firm necessarily came from, but being able to look back and saying, actually, you know, we really, we made a difference there. And maybe Cube in some way will ensure that we don't have a repeat of 2008 and nine. And actually that's going to be better for everybody on the planet who felt the consequences of the recession, who lost their homes, who, you know, had, uh, foreclosures and the like and actually you know if we in some way can play a part in a you know in a in in um in a better outcome in that regard then then why not so and again you know we we don't get me wrong we run a business we're very commercial and and we're we're here to build our revenues and and deliver a return but the bigger picture is important and i always say with the teams who work incredibly hard across the globe you know, it is about the journey and it's about being able to look back and saying one day we made, you know, we made a difference. And, and uh, yeah, I think that's just an important um, personal passion and, and one certainly shared by, by those at Cube. For anyone who maybe who's not familiar, completely familiar with Cube, what stage are you at now in terms of size, um, uh, people, and you probably won't, won't want to talk too specifically around numbers, but give us a sense sure. of like the size and scale of the business as it stands. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, it's just me at the moment. I'm hoping to grow it beyond that. But you know. <laughs> it's a one man ban. You can, yeah, you can cut that bit after all that great talk about <laughs> and everything yeah. else. So no, not seriously. Yeah. So so where are we at today? I mean, I think so. First of all, um, I'll talk a bit about Cube and what, what we do and then, you know, the success that we're seeing. So so effectively, the, the vision was this. It was to build. I, I referred to it as a content engine, but it was really to build a platform that was going to consume all of the regulatory information across the globe, everything that exists across the, the World Wide Web today, and consume it all and read it and understand it and be able to drive regulatory intelligence from it uh, for those customers that we served. Um, and that's our financial services customers. And so, and that's really the, you know, the, the heart of the, the, the you know, the regulatory um, world today. And so, and so for me, it was about building something of scale using machines, not people. Um, and really, we were, we were practicing and leveraging AI 
before AI became a thing, because it, you know, for us, it was just about techniques with content and it was about, you know, how you can leverage understanding and, and meaning from um, and intelligence from content. And, and we, as I say, we'd, we'd been doing that successfully in different ways for, for years before. So, so the vision was build a platform, automate this, this ability to collect, understand, structure, normalize, consume, and, and make relevant these huge swathes of content at scale using machines, considering things like translating from 50, 60 languages, you know, taking content from thousands of sources and being able to understand it and normalize it in a way that everything can, can be understood and, 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 and have a consistency to it. And so we effectively built a platform that did that. It took years and years to get it, you know, really to a point where it, it truly started to, to deliver on that vision. Um, and that's the platform that we have today. We call it our digital regulation platform. And customers, the biggest banks in the world now, are consuming that service um, and able to build their regulatory intelligence, understand what's relevant to them, understand how they need to act upon these um, requirements that they have uh, and from a regulatory perspective and be able to connect the dots across all of their regulatory landscape around how all of that um, is considered in terms of controls and policies, procedures, and, and ensuring that the people in the field are doing the right things and that are doing the right checks and balances and that ensuring that they are uh, maintaining those standards and controls um, and, and doing that to the best possible extent. And so, and so that's effectively what our platform does. And we deal with complexity. You know, it's not unusual for us to have customers who are running our service in 20 plus languages across 60 plus countries. You know, and we have some of our customers will be, you know, even, even more substantial than that. Um, and, you know, we're proud to serve them because it's, uh, you know, we, we become very strategic for them and we enjoy relationships at the most senior level because uh, they recognize that we understand the complexity of their challenges and they and 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 they also recognize that we can save them an awful lot of money and, and produce a much, much better outcome. Um, so what does that mean for the firm? It means that even though we haven't had all, all the benefits of, you know, of, of large amounts of capital deploy along the way, uh, we have grown rapidly. You know, we our, our growth trajectory continues. Um, and, you know, we're now, um, as we're moving into the next stage, you know, we're just sort of 10 years in now as a firm. We'll be looking to to build out from a team of, of across the globe um, in the region of about 200 people um, operating out of six, seven countries um, and really, you know, using that now to take us into our next stage of growth. And that really is where we feel that there will be standardization in the market. There will be yeah. the need for, you know, for reg techs to really start to focus in on, you know, on, on providing that, that those core capabilities in certain areas. And for Cube, as is about regulatory intelligence and supporting firms as that underlying platform um, in how they understand and, and act upon uh, those regulatory requirements that they have. 2011, was it? 2010, 2011? 2011, we officially 2000, started. Yeah. You, you officially yeah. started. Yeah. Again, it, I, I, it's a difficult one to ask the right question, but so many people talk about it, so few people do it, and there are so many challenges along the way. You know, what? what what's step one? You, you start putting together a team? Yeah, abso absolutely. So, um, so, yeah, so step one. So I... 2011, we officially started Cube. What did that mean? I had the benefit then where through the other companies that I'd run, um, I had the makings of a, of a great team to start with. I was able to start bringing them in and getting them focused on Cube, set out the vision that I had. And, um, you know, and it's a team that I, I trusted and had worked with for many years before. And that was a good starting point. And then it's really about being able to be very clear on what that vision is and very clear on on what you're looking to achieve and be absolutely laser focused on that and i think that is so important to success so know what it is that you're there to do and don't get distracted and for me um that was the vision that i've described around cube and that vision then is exactly the same as the vision today and it's not changed by by 
any sense whatsoever. And I think that's really important because we just focused in on um, bought into the vision, focused in on the opportunity that that brings. And then it was about build, build, build and go demonstrate the value to customers. And as a company, we're, we're very um, product and customer centric. So we look at everything through the lens of our product and through the value that delivers to our customers. And I, I make you know, no qualms about the fact in the firm, you know, we are here to meet, exceed our customer expectations, to deliver value, you know, and serve our customers in, in doing so with brilliant innovation, brilliant product. And, um, and that's it, you get that combination right. And as long as you then understand how to scale and how to, how to grow, um, there's, you know, you can be very, very successful. And so, and so the first couple of years were very much about really establishing, you know, what does the prototype look like? Um, really, what is this, you know, that hadn't been done before. What are the, the real tough problems we've got to solve and how are we going to set about doing that and having a good core of a team to do it? And, and the biggest advice I'd give to any entrepreneur is go out there and get customer number one. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's that's literally it. Because I think you 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 the minute you do that, you you've taken what you've got from concept, and then you're starting to really test it in the real world. And that, yeah. that that's so important. Do you do you build the product in conjunction with product uh, with customer number one? Is that how that I, I think to a large works? I think to a large point you do. I think anybody who who perhaps suggests that you know they they started the company. They built a wonderful product. They took it through three generations of its life and then said, right, okay, everyone, we're now ready to go sell it. And off we go. Uh, frankly, I, you know, I, I don't think that's reality. Um, yeah. we're, we're in our third generation today. We're 10 years in. And the thing that excites me more than anything now um, is the, the value that we can really deliver to our customers and, and what we can truly achieve. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, very assured in the fact that because we've been successful customers over the life of the company, that we've always been able to deliver value. But absolutely, our ability to deliver more and more value and transformation for our customers is far greater today than it was five years ago. Yeah. Um, or before that time. But yeah, I think if we look at our initial customers um, that we enjoy relationships with today and continue with today, I think, um, yeah, absolutely. We, we were learning and 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 building alongside but we still made sure we delivered the, the the promises that we made and that we you know delivered value to them um based on their you know their investment with us yeah do you so cube today has some of the biggest financial institutions in the world it's a global yeah. business that employs um best part of 200 people i think you said around the world what were the what when you look back and then 10 years you know a decade has been going a while now when you look back mm. uh, with the benefit of what you know now are there any things that you look at on that 10-year journey where you think I, we got that wrong i should have done that differently i wish i wish i knew then what i know now absolutely nothing at all no no we, we got everything absolutely right you know in every single step of the way <laughs> <laughs> uh no of course of course um yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, first of all, I look back and I, I look at what we've achieved over the last 10 years. And um, it's not often you get time to do that, to be honest. And it's more when other people remind you of it, that you stop to think about it. Uh, but when I do, and, and sometimes um, it's in, it is important you do that. Yeah, I, you know, I do think we've, we've achieved a phenomenal amount. But I, I also, and maybe it's just the, the, the nature of, of how I am, I also feel like um, there's so much more we have to do and uh, actually time is always against us. So mistakes made, yes, you know, a number, what do they sit around? I think, you know, sometimes, and this, this may sound contradictory to my first point, but even as, as laser focused as, as I am and the vision that I have for the company and that what everybody in the firm signs up to as, as a shared vision and a shared goal, you inevitably get distracted along the way in terms of other opportunities. We, you know, we at Cube have stayed laser focused on this, but there's always the interesting thing about, oh, maybe we could do a Cube in this market. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually, do you know what? There's this acquisition opportunity and actually wouldn't it be great if we 
we bought that company and did this. Yeah. And, and actually, my my learnings, fortunately, we we actually did very few of those things because we did stay laser focused. But if we had had a, a sign above the boardroom door that said, "Don't talk about anything else," um, I, in so many ways, that would probably be a, a, a good thing. And and even for an individual who who is as as sort of focused in the way that I am, or as a company that's focused we are. So I'd say that's one thing. Just don't get distracted. Um, and the other thing is pick your bets. So, and what I mean by that is, you know, we, we've, frankly, we were always punching above our weight as, as lots of entrepreneurial startup businesses need to do. Um, we had no right to be in the boardrooms of the biggest banks, but we had a passion and a, and a vision and we were good at execution. So we, we, we made our way there, but pick your bets. So don't, don't try and spread too thin. Don't try and dilute too much. Do the things that matter and do them really, really well. And that, that um, you know, I think is super important. So, again, that comes from learning. Sometimes mistakes would be spreading yourself too thin and the yeah. term too thin or, or would be, um, you know, really not, not, not picking the absolute bet and maybe trying to back a few and, and you know, a few um, different, you know, differing opportunities or whatever. You just, you really, again, you know, it all does, it all does come back to focus. It's it's interesting that is it because well two things we're doing these interviews I hadn't realised how common a thought process that is that the the one of the challenges is not being distracted by a new a new opportunity right so once yeah. you start talking to people you discover new things that you probably could help someone with with the the capability you've got and and I guess it's difficult sometimes not to to follow up on that it's our instinct isn't it to follow up on an opportunity but as you say that can have negative consequences but th- this idea of staying focused you know other than it's a bit like it's a bit like saying to someone, "Stop being negative," or, or "Smoking's bad for you." Don't do it, sort of thing. It's like, well, yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But doing it's harder. Absolutely, that's the thing. Absolutely, and and do you know what? Sometimes it's quite flattering when, you know, when people come to you and say, "Do you know what? You're doing a phenomenal thing. We'd love you to come do it here," or, you know, "We'd we'd love you to, to, um, you know, to go, you know, into this market," or, you know, "We've got this opportunity to." to merge with someone else or whatever. And, you know, for example, I never set out with the intention that we would bring, um, you know, VCs into the business for the reasons I've said. And yeah. that's a purposeful thing. And and actually, um, I spent quite a lot of time, you know, during the, the, the 10 years of Cube talking to VCs <laughs> um, for the fact that, you know, you still sort of dip your toe in the water and, and you know, build some relationships and have the conversations. And there was times where, you know, we looked at it and we, we may have... Um, Again, you know, we may have gone down that path, and 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 it was really again that ambition and the, the journey and where we were looking to get to that brought us brought us you know away from that. So, so yeah, I think it's absolutely that, and I think that you know the other thing is you think about reg tech, okay, as an industry. Here's the really interesting thing. So when I when I got into tech and the world of um, you know data and everything else. You know, the, the three-letter acronyms is king in our world, okay? So ERP and ECM and, and then, you know, in the world of reg, reg, reg and tech, you know, GRC became a thing and so on. And the, and the point I'm making here is that when this wave came along for, um, you know, CRM and all the rest of it, and when this wave came along for, um, for reg tech, really, um, it was a f- fantastic thing for the industry. And it was probably, I don't know, exactly when, but five years into the life of Cube that RegTech became something. And my vision was was RegTech, but just not called RegTech. We just happened to do one core thing within RegTech. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that that industry, you know, ballooned overnight just, just because a lot of like-minded people decided, actually, this whole world of um, compliance and regulation, everything else is wide open for yeah. technological disruption. Someone came up with the, the term, um, wasn't me, so I can't lay claim to that. But came up with reg tech. I guess it follows fintech and everything else. But the thing is, you know, out of nowhere, two thousand firms. Appeared, yeah. Right. So you think about that point of distraction. Um, it could have been very easy to say, oh, do you know what? Now why don't we go do, um, you know, identity um, management, and why don't we go do, you know, support these AML, you know, workflow um, automations and. And all of these different things that we could have done, you know, and and KYC and all the rest of it. And and that's what I mean by distraction. It would have been so easy in our industry to go do all those things. 
And yeah. do you know what? If we did, we could have been successful. But I tell you what, Cube would not be what it is today in terms of the platform that banks rely upon to drive and build out and deliver their, their regulatory capabilities. Um, in amongst that, you raise a really interesting point that I feel like deserves maybe a, a, a conversation on its own one day. The idea of RegTech, giving it a name, it's it having an identity and uh, and then it becoming significantly bigger. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, so what what happened there? Let, I, I feel like there, there's an episode of a podcast yeah, in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, indeed. No, it is. I mean, look, just in 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 a minute or or you know, a couple of minutes of that. I I think so. It's phenomenal, right? So, I liken um, reg tech to the driverless car. Okay, and the the evolution of the the driverless car. And what I mean by that is that for some reason, you know, we all thought it a good idea. Uh, to put people inside a car and and have us go off and and do some lessons, you know, pass a test, which is, quite frankly is fairly subjective, based on how lucky you get on the day of the uh, the three point turn or the parallel park, um, and then say off you go. And by the way, you can now drive for the the rest of your life, and and yeah. good luck to you. Um, and I think one day, you know, our kids or their kids will look back and think, crikey. We let mum, dad, or granddad, you know, grandma drive that car because cars will drive themselves. And it will, you know, it will maybe be a nice fun thing that we do to sometimes um, take over from the wheel. And so, and so, and that, and, and what's, what's behind that? It's data and technology and learning, AI, basically. Yeah. So, and I liken this with RegTech because, and this, and this will come back to the way the, in, why the industry is so huge. And they talk about it when I say they, you know, people in the industry and all of us, we talk about it as this 100 billion dollar market um which is massive um but the reason it truly is 100 billion dollars and much more beyond um is the fact that all the big firms financial services banks or beyond that across all of the regulatory environments spend a fortune on having the same people do the same thing over and over and over again and and frankly uh, working off uh, data that isn't to the right quality and therefore the outcomes aren't to the right levels and therefore the the process and the end product of what these firms are doing is 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 fairly in, you know inadequate in the scheme of things and so and yeah it's 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 billions and billions and billions that spent every year so when you think about that you think well that just that can't be right and yeah. surely because of all these repetitive tasks and it's surely because it's working from data and surely because really what we're trying to do is understand what the data is telling us and do something from it. Surely that's the role of a machine to such an extent so that really those highly skilled individuals can really make judgment calls and do the humanization of kind of what needs to get done in the world of compliance and not have to do, you know, not have to drive the car, but more about uh, working out exactly how and where they want to go and, and what risks they're prepared to take along the way. And so, I, you know, so therefore I think, that's why I make that analogy. And I think RegTech in itself has therefore become this, this huge industry, no longer the, the, the little brother of fintech, but actually completely out on its own with the fact that the change that it will bring will just be phenomenal. And, and it, again, in years to come, to think that we in this day and age, with all of the digital transformation we've got, still run every financial institution of documents that are published from websites, you know, this 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 is the reality of the situation, mm. um, and and I, that's why I think it's a, a massive, massive opportunity for you know for that transformation to happen. Do um, do you think that the rise of fintech has uh, had a positive impact uh, on on sort of making some of the bigger finance traditional financial institutions need to to adapt and become? more efficient on some of these processes you know I'm, I'm thinking about kind of onboarding of customers being an area where that would seem obviously true um in uh, for cube has that had an impact yes to a point i think what the the big firms have have come to realize is that they've got to innovate better and move faster so that the the fintechs don't you know, cause them too much pain. Yeah. Um, so yes, and therefore, what does that mean? That means they are, you know, they're, they're building out their innovation centers, they're building out their, you know, their appetite to do things. Um, 
to you know to address that and you're seeing a lot of the big firms now you know become much more innovative innovative as a result um but and there is a but i think the challenge is so so i think you know f certainly from that perspective fintech is um you know has helped drive some of that um speed and, and need for innovation within the bigger firms i think the challenge for the bigger firms is changing the years of of infrastructure and operating models and and um you know and those layers that have been created you know as those firms have really grown up and and often our ability to go faster within a, a customer organization in terms of them realizing value isn't limited by our product or capability it's limited by their ability to change and, and adopt yeah and, and 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 bring that on board and and that really, I think, is the challenge now for those firms that um, the bigger firms that, you know, that we serve are, you know, really how well that they adapt to the change and the opportunities that RegTech brings. And, you know, if I was the CEO of a large bank um, and, and there'll be many things that keep me awake at night, but the, the two things that have to be top of the agenda is how do we you know, generate the revenues and the growth with the margins that we need? And then how do we manage our, our, our risk and compliance? And it has to be that way because you, you can't have one without the other and, and vice versa. And so, so therefore, I'd say that we're pretty important. And I'd say that, therefore, these firms, you know, are starting to really, I think, put that strategy to the forefront about saying, OK, how do we really move faster, better, smarter in the world of risk and compliance? And perhaps recognizing that, Actually, you know, traditionally where these firms may have built a lot of their own thing and they may have tried to do it themselves. Actually, now there is a better way to do things, which is to, to really partner with people in the market who have dedicated everything to solving these complex problems and actually having the, the firm focus on how they embrace it, adopt it and, and drive change from it. And um, I think that's the challenge for us now. Over the coming years, now we've established Cube as a, you know, I think it's fair to say within our space, certainly as a, as a market leader, uh, or certainly as a front runner, plen plenty of miles to go yet, and, uh, and we take nothing for granted. But I think the challenge is now for us is to help our customers and work, you know, partner with them and work with them to really help them um, embrace the, the value that a platform like Cube can bring. You, you mentioned keeping up at night. What keeps Ben Richmond up at night? <laughs> well, it was two new puppies from uh, from a you know a month or so ago, but they've uh, they've settled down a bit now. Um, I, I work like like again like a lot of entrepreneurs. I work very long hours and early in the mornings and late at night. So sleep is uh, is is a luxury a lot of the time. Um, so therefore, um, frankly, not too much, to be honest, because uh, the scarcity of, uh, of getting a, a good night's sleep means that you just generally, when you, when you need to crash, sleep you crash. Well you exactly. But, <laughs> but in, all joking aside, um, I think it was a point I was touching upon earlier on, which is, is it's really time and, and making sure that, um, you know, we as a firm continue to stay ahead. You know, we, we have a lot of, I think across the firm, we have brilliant people, fantastic teams all over the globe. Um, you know, we've hired this year another 20, 30 people this year and, and, and not met any of them due to COVID, not in person. You know, it's all been digital and, and actually we still built, you know, fantastic relationships. They're Cubers, they're part of the firm. And, and, and everyone, I think, as I say, takes a lot of pride in the fact that we, we are ahead and we do, you know, push the envelope and we are highly innovative and we are able to, to be a bit, you know, a bit special. And, and I think um, it's making sure we maintain that. And, and so therefore it's making sure that there's the time to get things, the things done that we need to get done and that we stay ahead and we stay, you know, we stay in being that front runner and, um, and, uh, you know, it's like the, the age old thing, isn't it? You just, you know, once you're in front, um, you don't want to spend too much time looking over your shoulder. You just, you need to keep, you know, focusing on what's in front of you and pushing forward. So I think to answer your question, not a lot keeps me awake, but that point of not missing this opportunity, you know, staying in front and making sure in the next 10 years we achieve the ambitions that we set out to achieve. I think that's the thing. There's, there's never enough uh, hours in the day. 
Very good. Seizing the moment. You mentioned hiring people. Uh, fascinated to understand what you look for when you're hiring for Cube. Good question. You asked a question before, been a number of good questions actually, Tom, but one of the ones you asked before was, um, you know, the things where you, you made mistakes. And one of the, the answers you hear quite often from entrepreneurs is, oh, I hired the wrong, you know, the wrong person here or the wrong person there. And, uh, you know, I think that's just a given because you, you're going to, you know, make better judgment calls than others sometimes. But what what I've definitely learned and my management team have learned over the years is no matter how busy you are, no matter how much you've got on, do not in any sense compromise the process of making sure you're bringing in the right people and the right talent. And the way I look at it um, is that there's so, so many good people out there um, and great talent, but it doesn't mean they're all right for the firm. So you might get a particularly gifted individual who's a brilliant engineer but if they don't like engineering in a highly, you know, highly intensive, fast, you know, deadline orientated environment, push, 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 great, we're on that release. Now the next one, now the next one. Not all engineers relish that environment because actually they like the time and space to do things how they want to do it and absolutely right. But that means that they wouldn't necessarily be right for Q. And so, so absolutely that question of individual, you know, personality, um you know work ethic um driven around a, you know a vision and, and the passion and the energy and the commitment that goes with it i think it's really important and i as a individual and as a leader for for q i'm i'm very straight talking um and you know to me that's just about being straightforward and therefore people you know in the firm generally need to be comfortable that you can have that straightforwardness with one yeah. another, whether it's them with me or me with them. And so, again, we look for these things. And my management team, um, you know, and myself, you know, we look for this both in, you know, hiring across the firm and hiring others on the management team. And actually, recently, we've been building out our senior management team with some new executives that we've been bringing in. And they'll, they'll tell you, um, you know, they've literally got around and met the entire management team and not for the sake of just because we think it's a nice thing to do, but actually it was crucial that um, all of us were, were really sort of synthesized on, on all the right things about those individuals. And ultimately, you know, these particular executives are my, my reports, my hires, I'll make the decision. Uh, but we all know, um, you know, what we're looking for to a large extent. So it's really important that you give that every attention that it possibly needs to yeah. get it right. And so, so, yeah. and so getting it right actually involves getting a consensus from a lot uh, a lot of the existing team on a, a, a new individual. Some, sometimes. It depends on the criticality of the hire. But actually, uh, so yes, and, and actually subject, you know, subject to, um, you know, to, the, to whoever's hiring, really, there's always, um, you know, there's always a peer review and there's always uh, a... Um, an objective opinion that's brought in, um, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, that's in any situation. So yeah, is, yeah I think culture is hugely important and um, we have the benefit that we, we, you know, I think this, I don't, well, it's been a very interesting year, isn't it this year, but I don't, I don't think we've lost anyone this year. And if we have um, as in, you know, an, in, uh, somebody on the team leave us and if we have, it's been, probably been for good reason. And, and, and so, we do, I think we retain uh, the right people well. Um, and it's just making sure we, we've made the right call in terms of who we're bringing into the firm. Yeah. Um, I think what you're, you're talking about there as well, in terms of getting people that are right for your, for your business, that you can have a talented person who's not right for your business, right? And I, and I think a phrase that I'm hearing a lot more now is stage ready. Right. Um, and, right. Uh, and I kind of like it because... You know, you you do you have people that have a skill set that's very well suited to businesses at a certain stage, and 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 what I also like is it can it's okay for it to reach a point where it it's kind of not suitable anymore as well. You know, if you've got a sweet right. spot that you're really good at, you know, maybe really focus deep on that sweet spot and helping people on on that stage of the journey. And you know, to your point, the pace of change that you've got at the moment. It's probably vastly different from uh, that of a FTSE 100 company and being a you know a manager within that environment, right? We we can safely assume that, and um, and if one really likes that, they may not like 
what it's like at Cuba at the moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely fair. And um, yeah, I think I think that can you know very much be so. And it is, it's, it's you know, it is time and place as well. You're absolutely right. We're a different firm today than what we were five years ago and what we were five years before that. And we'll be different again in five years' time. But the vision, the principles, the culture has been pretty consistent. And it's and it, again, it comes back to that passion, that energy, that focus around what we do. And and look, it's not it's not that um, it's give and take, you know, very much um, is the, is the, the culture of the business. So we will support our teams to the nth degree. If somebody's got a challenge, if somebody's got a personal situation, somebody needs some time, we will we will go out of out of our way. We'll also when they're on on their game and and you know on point with us, we'll ask an awful lot from them. So I think that's you know there's also that sort of um, side to it as well in terms of that give and take and how you work with people but but yeah i think that the kind of people we just hired for example maybe wouldn't have been right for the company at the outset um or maybe so but certainly right now they're absolutely right at the next stage and some of my existing team um who i have a tremendous you know amount of time for i've worked with for a long time they will very honestly say um we're at the edge of our you know comfort zone and actually do you know what? Yeah, we understand that we now need some 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 other people coming in to to help move to the next stage, and and there's nothing wrong with that. And, yeah, and, it's fan- uh, fantastic to have people uh, recognise it. Absolutely, and frankly, you know, probably probably uh, be pleased to to get a little bit more time back. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, talking of some of those great members of the team, is there anyone that, that deserves a special mention who's kind of been instrumental on the journey? Well, there's a great question. Uh, it's one that you can you can come unstuck with answering as well. So, <laughs> um, my my philosophy at Cube, whenever we do an all hands call, uh, you know, everyone across the globe on a call, is about what we've achieved, is about what we've done, and not not for the sake of just hey, well, we'll say team and we'll say this because it sounds good, but it it's genuinely because it it really is that concerted effort from across the team. So, I wouldn't name anybody. Uh, in the team individually, you know, within the firm individually, because, um, you know, those individuals who who go above and beyond know who they are. Um, but everybody within Cube will will, um, will rises to the challenge and will make a difference in what we do. So, so I, you know, so that's that truly is, you know, is is how I feel about that. I'd say outside of Cube, you get lots of influences on your life, don't you, along the way. Um, and they can come, you know, come in many ways. And I, and again, you know, whether it's from your family or close friends or mentors or people that you've worked with, I, d- I don't think there's any, um, uh, you know, there's any way that you kind of s- separate one from the other, really. So I think that's a long way of me saying, I think, you know, I wouldn't name any one individual in in that sense because everybody can can be you know make an impact in your life at different times i think it depends on when and, and where you are um if you ask me who have i respected in the world of business and and you know grown up with uh you know bill gates was to me you know was also was always just you know just way ahead of his time way ahead in terms of vision and what he built and what that business is today under the new leadership. I think, you know, with Microsoft is amazing. My kids would tell you that I'm a, a big uh, Bill Gates and Microsoft fan. <laughs> um, but I also, I love the fact of what he's done, um, you know, meaningfully and is doing for society, yeah. um, you know, since, um, you know, focusing on um, life outside of Microsoft. So Philanthropy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a great word. Not always an easy one to say. So I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll let you say it that took me a moment yeah, to, exactly, yeah. to prepare. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you got that one in. But um, but yeah, and you know, and other other leaders, you know, across both tech and in business generally, um, is there's some fantastic stories out there, and I think that's all great. And and I would it would be a miss um, for me not to say in all of this that I think. With any, you know, with being a successful entrepreneur and putting in huge amounts of work and effort, you have to have a very understanding family, um, and you know, and and across my teams, that's you know, that can also be very much the case, and and wives and, and kids and everything else, because you do have to, you know, make, um, you know, sometimes some sacrifices there, but actually, also on the flip side, um, if you're successful and you get the rewards. Uh, then you know, then you then there's that side of it as well for for the family. But it would be a miss not to uh, always recognise, um, you know, the support and the uh, 
the enduring love that uh, that you know that that you get from uh, from from the family and and. Yeah. That was a nice, heartwarming moment. There. I like <laughs> that's it. it. Oh, yeah, that's the first time anyone's given that answer. Yeah, well, my, my, my team would tell you it's only one. I'm not going to thank anyone in the team, but I thank my wife. That was probably the good answer. Now, yeah, exactly. The wise answer. And, All right, and, got... and my mum, of course. <laughs> yeah, very good. So I've got one final question, if I may, because I know that we, we had a, a set amount of time and I've already kept you longer than it. But. Sure. Um, if you could go back in time and give one piece of advice to an 18-year-old Ben Richmond, what would it be? Wow. Um, live every minute. Live every minute. I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, I've taken a lot of, I've been very, in my life, very focused on, you know, ambitions I've set myself and it's taken me on a great path. And I've experienced a lot and I've, um, you know, Grown up in the the, so the small countryside of Cornwall, and then had to move to London and build a global business, and you know, and and worked and operated pretty much across most of the globe at different times, um, and ended up in the boardroom of the banks. And so um, that's a great path, and I think um, it's setting those challenges for yourself and going after that, and you know, and being again, as you'll hear me talk about a lot, but being passionate about that. And, and being very focused. I, I say, so yeah, I think it's live every minute. I say to my kids, I say, look, it doesn't matter what you do, um, but whatever you do, make sure you are passionate about it, that you believe in it, and that, that you get in the top 1%, because no matter what your chosen profession is, you can be phenomenally successful. And, and so, yeah, I think that's how I've, I've, I like to think, that's how I live my life. I guess my kids would be the best judge of that. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's that. And, and yeah, just really going for it, really. I think that's the most important thing. Just go for it. Fantastic. Well, Ben, thank you so much. What a, a great note to finish on. Tom, thank you. It's been, uh, been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Good man. That's it for today's episode. Thank you again, Ben Richmond, for um, giving up an hour of your time to talk to us. Very grateful for that and to hear your story. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that one tune in next week for another episode of the reg tech legends podcast uh, and as always if you like what you're hearing please feel free to follow us on linkedin subscribe via spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts or on the regtechlegends.com website thanks and goodbye